Well, thanks, Pastor Gary. Hello, church. Welcome to South Bay Community Church. Isn't this an interesting way to start off the new year, right? With me here and you there, wherever you're watching from. Uh, this is a little reminiscent of 2021 and also 2020. Here we are seemingly in the same place again. But I refuse to start off on a down note. I want to start off the new year on a high note, on a light note. And so I found some memes. What better way to start off 2022 than with some 2022 memes? I, I found something for everyone. So, so you're out there and I got you. All right? First of all, for the pessimists, here's, here's a meme for you. Let me show you where we are on the war on COVID. You are right about here. And it seems like it's never going to end. For you optimists, you guys are the ones who find the bright side in everything. There, there's good stuff that's come out of the pandemic. And so you love stuff like this. You can finally find Waldo. Congratulations to you guys. And then there's some of you right now who are just tired of it. You're apathetic. You just don't care about the pandemic. This is, uh, this is you right now. There's a new variant called Omicron, and you're like, anyway, moving on. Then there's conspiracy theorists. I know you're out there. For you conspiracy theorists, this is for you. Who would have known that 2021 was actually pronounced 2021? One, as if it defeated us, us zero, 2021. And then who would have known that 2022 is actually pronounced 2022? Dun, 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 right? Well, hopefully you guys, wherever you're at, wherever you fall, whatever you're feeling about the new year, I pray that all of us would be in the same boat that we would all be found in the same boat where Jesus is our captain. And whether the, 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 the year is stormy and the waters are overwhelming or if the seas are calm and it's very enjoyable, I pray that we will fully put our confidence and our trust in Jesus, that we would be in the same boat with Jesus. Last year we started off 2021 and we... We started off with a prayer and fast that we called Pray for 21. And it was this call to the church to pray and fast for 21 days as we prayed for God's favor in 2021, that we would see his power and his provision and his presence. Well, today, as we kick off this new year, I, I want to call the church to pray for 22. We're going to pray for 22, where we fast and pray for 22 days as we head into 2022. And in the same way, we're going to call out to God, we're going to cry out to him and pray for his power and his presence and his provision, his favor and his blessing over us in 2022. But before we fast and pray, as a church, we have to understand what it means to fast. Why do we fast? And so I want to help you out if this is all new to you. Today I want to answer three questions. And the three questions will be these. What is fasting? When should we fast? And then how will we do it? How will we fast together? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to ask that you pray with me. Let's bow our heads and let's come before the Lord right now. Let's pray. Father God, here we are again, 
And yet we proclaim that you are here with us. We believe it. We're going to declare that, that we are yours, you are ours, and, and we are not moving forward into this year without you. God, we do not want to move ahead unless it is with you, you leading us into this new season. And God, I pray right now, wherever we are, Lord, whether we're in the living room, whether we're in the car, whether we're in the office, God, I pray that you would just draw us in right now, Lord. There's so many ways to be distracted right now. God, I pray that you would help us just to put everything down and to be willing to sit at your feet, to sit at your word, and allow you to pour into us. Just like Mary, there when you visited them in their house in Bethany, Lord, that we would be like Mary and just sit and allow you to minister to our souls. So God, we want to give you our hearts. We want to give you our minds. We know it's going to be challenging, but help us to do so now. And Lord, would you teach us what it is to fast and to pray. And we pray that you would use this teaching to change our hearts, our minds, our perspective, so that it would change our lives forever. So bless the teaching of this word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what is fasting? That's the first question we're looking at. What is fasting? Well, if you look in the Bible, fasting is almost always paired with prayer. The two go together, fasting and prayer. Why is that? Well, because prayer is where the power is. Prayer is the vehicle that brings us into the presence of God. Prayer is what we do to cry out to God. It draws us into his heart. It's the way we commune with him and draw near to him. So prayer is where the power is. Prayer makes things happen, church. But fasting makes prayer happen. That's why fasting is important. I want to describe it as this. In general, here's a general definition of fasting. I'm going to put it up for you. Fasting is a physical practice for a spiritual purpose. It's a physical practice for a spiritual purpose. More specifically, it's, it's abstaining or limiting the intake of food or some other desirable thing in order to draw near to God, in order to help us to seek the Lord more. So it's abstaining from something that we feel we need in order to gain something that we need more, and that's the presence of God. So let me break that down a little bit more, right? A physical practice for a spiritual purpose. Let's talk about it being a physical practice, first of all. Fasting is a physical practice. It's a physical practice that creates a physical reminder for us. It's very practical. Let me try to illustrate. So this past year, our church grew by at least one. And his name is Baby Carter, right? Pastor Dave and, and his wife Sarah gave birth to little Baby Carter. Here's a beautiful picture of their growing family. But as parents, Dave and Sarah would both tell you that every single day, little Carter, though he's still a baby, is able to communicate to them in terms of when it's time to eat. Dave says about five times a day, little Carter will either smack his lips or he'll stare at their food with those big old Romero eyes or, or he'll even start crying at times. Not because he's emotional, 
but simply because his body is communicating, it's time for me to eat. I'm hungry and I need some nutrition. And that's something our body does. It sounds the alarm at times throughout the day. And our body doesn't grow out of that, right? Even as we grow older, our body keeps sounding the alarm every single day. Our our staff meetings on Tuesday here at the church, they used to go into the lunch hour, sometimes past 12 p.m. And sometimes when we had a lot to discuss and our meetings went long, you you would suddenly hear the sound around the table. You would hear this like this rumbling, right? You would think the Lord was coming again, but it was people's stomachs growling, telling us it's time to end the meeting. It's time to go to lunch. We need to eat. I'm telling you, we got some growlers on our staff. We got, I won't say who, but we got some growlers. But that's what our body does each day. It reminds us when it's time. Our stomachs growl, our lips smack, our body weakens when it needs more energy. It's time to eat. And though we have these physical bodily reminders of when it's time to eat every single day, how many of us could go days without ever praying? How many of us could go days forgetting to pray? How is it How easy is it to start relying on our own strength rather than on the strength of God? How easy is it to to go and try to go on our own wisdom rather than seeking the wisdom of the Lord? It's easy. It's so easy, it's scary. And yet, fasting is when we come into this practice where it's creating for us a bodily alarm with a spiritual purpose. And here's a purpose, to remind us to pray, to create an opportunity that we would otherwise look over to pray. So when we fast and our body body starts reminding us it's time to eat and starts sounding that alarm, and it's in those moments that we can stop and remind ourselves it's time to pray. Right? When our body says, hey, it's time to pray, it's time to eat, you say, you know what? It's time to pray. Food is power for our body, but prayer is power for the soul. Prayer is power for the soul. So it's a physical practice. We're abstaining from food or something else that we crave for a spiritual purpose. Now let's talk about the spiritual purpose. Well, let me first say that the spiritual purpose is not to make you look spiritual. The spiritual purpose is not to make you look good spiritually. Because let's be honest, when we think about the discipline of fasting, it's not a a thing that a lot of people do. Like, it's almost like it has this, this connotation of being holier than thou or holier than the other disciplines. Like, think about it. If you went to somebody... And you told them, I'm going to pray. Like no one's saying, whoa, you're going to pray? Dang. They'll be like, yeah, you're a Christian, right? That's what you do. But if you said to someone, I'm fasting today, chances are someone might say, whoa, like the whole day? Oh, so you're a Christian Christian? Like you're a legit Christian, huh? Right? And they might be thinking that, or you might, you might be thinking that they're thinking that, because you think that in your mind. 
that there's something more spiritual about it. And so I, I want to warn you, as you pray and fast for 22 days, I want to warn you against thinking that you are more holy than thou, that you are more spiritual than others. Don't wear this as a badge. Don't, don't go around as you're fasting and don't go to people looking all weak and gloomy as if you want them to find out you're fasting. Don't, don't go to people and be like, hey guys, sorry if, you know, if I'm seeming a little low energy today. I, I mean, I don't even want to tell you why. <laughs> okay, fine. It's because I'm fasting. And um, it's just I haven't eaten since, you know, like lunch which was an hour ago, but, but it's okay. The Lord is my strength. We're like, the, don't do that, right? Do not do that. Jesus says, do not do that. In the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is teaching about fasting, here's what he warns against. In Matthew 6, 16 and 18, he says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Here's what Jesus is teaching. If you're fasting to look good spiritually, to be recognized by people because you've blown your trumpets and you've made it known that you're doing the spiritual thing, then congratulations. You've received your reward to be recognized by people, to be seen as spiritual. You've gotten your reward and you've received it in full. Yet Jesus says there will be no spiritual blessing. There will be no heavenly reward. There will be no recognition from the heavenly Father. So understand this, that the purpose of fasting is not to make yourself look awesome. Rather, the purpose of fasting is to make yourself look at an awesome God. Fasting is not to make yourself look awesome, but it's to bring us to a place where we're looking at an awesome God. We are drawing near to him. In the day where the world is battling for our eyes and our attention. And in a day where we're battling for the world's eyes and the world's attention, fasting is to stop and say, no, God, I'm giving you my eyes and my attention. I'm looking to you right now. Above all else, I need you. The spiritual purpose, therefore, of fasting is to wholeheartedly seek out the Lord. And when we fast, Prayer during that fast is the vehicle that brings us into his presence. Fasting and prayer go together. You know, at our house, in my household, we have a rule that at the table, at dinner or at lunch, whatever meal it is, there's no devices, no iPads, no phones, no TV going. Why? Because it's our way of saying that you are more important. You are far better right now than anything else that wants my attention, right? It's not because the iPads or the phones are evil. They're, they're, they're good things. They bring value to our lives, but it's saying, I want something better right now. I want your presence. 
I want to be in your presence. There's no email, no text, no sports score, no item for sale, no, no social media post that is more important to you. And, and I'll be real, it's hard. Like, it's hard. It truly is a discipline. Because we find ourselves pulling those things back out at the dinner table, but we have to remind ourselves, no, this is a time to say, you are worth more. And I pray that in life, church, that we are in this practice of constantly communicating to God, that, that we have a preference for him above all things. When it comes to money or you, God, I prefer you. If it comes to popularity and acceptance, I want you more. If it comes to success or prestige or friends, if it comes to safety and convenience or you, God, I prefer you. And it's in fasting that we're saying to God, when it comes to food and the cravings that I desire, or you, I want you more. God, I love you more. I need you more. I'm desperate for you. I want you more. It's in fasting where we abstain from lesser things to gain greater things. When we abstain from even good things to say, God, I want better things. I want you I need you. I prefer you. In Matthew chapter 5, in that Sermon on the Mount, it was in that sermon that Jesus gave these Beatitudes, and he said this in verse 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it's in fasting where we can express that hunger. Okay, so fasting is a physical practice for a spiritual purpose, abstaining from desirable things to gain more of God in our lives. Okay, so that's fasting. The second question is, when should we fast? So when should we fast? And if you look in the Bible, many people in the Bible fasted, and you'll never find one reason or one occasion for why they fasted. There are many occasions. Sometimes there's a way of worship Sometimes it was a cry of confession. Sometimes it was a plea for protection. Sometimes it was desperation for direction. Sometimes it was a declaration of dependence. There was no one occasion, but in all those occasions, it was a way for a person to come before God and express to them what they needed from him. And so though there are many reasons and many occasions for this message, I want to give you two. And I believe this is going to be relevant to many who are listening right now. I want to give you two reasons or two occasions for when we should fast and pray. And here's the first one I'll give you. We should fast when we're desperate for God's power. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down somewhere. We should fast when we're desperate for God's power. I wonder how many of you listening right now, you're discouraged because you still wrestle with the same sin or temptation in your life. Maybe you're thinking, man, I thought by now I, I would get over these insecure thoughts or these feelings of worthlessness or this jealousy that rages in my heart, but I haven't gotten over it. Or maybe you think, I, I thought that pornography wouldn't have its grip on me, that I, I would have conquered this this far into my Christian walk, but I haven't. 
Or maybe you think, but I made resolutions every year not to drink as much, not to smoke as much, not to gamble as much, not to eat as much every year. And yet I find myself through the year falling again and again. And it's like if Christ died to set me free, then why do I still feel bound by these chains? And perhaps it, it, it's, it's, it's a bondage that you feel that's actually outside of your control. That's not even up to you. Maybe it's demonic or spiritual in nature. I had a guy reach out to me. He emailed me. Doesn't attend our church. Never came here before that day. But he happened to see one of our sermons on YouTube. And it was a message I preached called, What Do Demons Do? And he reached out to me. And he said, you started talking about sleep disturbance, sleep paralysis. He says, that's exactly what I experience all the time. He says, but for me, it's like on a daily basis. Every night I lose hours of sleep. It keeps me up. It stresses me out and it, it puts fear into me. And he was saying to me, he's like, I've tried everything. I've gone to doctors, I've gone to psychiatrists, I've gone to psychologists, I've tried medication, I've, I've tried apps, I've tried prayer, I've tried everything. And he says, nothing seems to work. Can you tell me what I need to do? I'm convinced that this person needed a demonstration of God's power. It reminds me of a story of a, of a boy I read about. And like this person who emailed me, or maybe like some of you, this boy needed a demonstration of God's power. See, this boy would experience on a regular basis these convulsions. He, he would start foaming at, at the mouth, and he would, he would start rolling on the ground. He would start grinding and gnashing his, his teeth together. And he would go through this every so often because the reality was he was oppressed and possessed by demonic powers. And there were these Christ followers who tried to help this boy out. They tried everything to, to cast out this demon, to, to set this boy free. This is a true story. And yet nothing these Christ followers try to do seemed to help that little kid. They tried everything to no avail until one day Jesus showed up. True story. Mark chapter 9, Jesus shows up, and by his power and by his authority, he rebukes the demon, he casts out the enemy, and this boy, finally in his life, he is set free. The chains are gone, and he experiences real freedom. He's been set free. And when the disciples should be rejoicing and, and excited, they're, they're more confused than anything. They're confused. And they say to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, they said, when he had come into the house, when Jesus came to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And Jesus was saying there's this demonic power and there's instances where it can only come by prayer and fasting. Now, here's what's interesting about this passage. I got to give you full disclosure. Some versions of this passage say this 
kind only comes out only by prayer, period. And then some versions, like the one I just read to you, will say this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Why is that? Well, because some of the early manuscripts include the fasting part, and then other manuscripts omit the fasting part. And so the question is, so what is it? If this is such an important teaching that's crucial to helping us know how to break the bonds of certain kind of evils and some kind of bondages, shouldn't we know what the equation is? Shouldn't we know the formula? Is it fasting and prayer or is it just prayer? I mean, to take it out, that's 50% of the equation. Why wouldn't it be clear to us? Is fasting needed or not? And the answer for me is I don't know if fasting is required or not. I don't know. But here's what I do know when I study the different versions. Prayer is always there no matter what. No matter what version you're reading, prayer is there no matter what. Why? Because prayer is where the power is. Prayer is what makes things happen. Prayer is what is able to loose the bond of certain evils. Prayer changes situations. And fasting only serves to make prayer happen more. So whatever version you're reading, I would say fast on. Fast on if it's going to help you pray more. Perhaps it's the fasting, if if we're really there, if that's what Jesus said, then perhaps it's the fasting that keeps us steadfast and devoted in praying to God and crying out to him. Perhaps it's in the fasting when we're devoted to prayer that is constantly reminding us, God, you're in control. God, you are greater. God, you have more authority than any other power in the world. God is going to be all you and nothing else. So I want to encourage you, if you or someone you know has been wrestling with an ongoing sin or temptation, if you or someone you know has been feeling constantly spiritually attacked, frequently being oppressed, I want to challenge you, will you pray and fast? Would you try fasting? Because prayer makes things happen, but fasting makes prayer happen, sometimes more than we normally would pray. Perhaps with the boy in Mark 9, freedom from that particular evil that you're experiencing will come only with prayer and fasting. And so church, will we fast and pray? Will we fast and pray and be desperate for God's power? And so that's one occasion. We fast and pray when we're desperate for God's power. And we should also fast and pray when we're desperate for God's provision. Here's a second occasion. I'd love for you to write this down. Another occasion is to fast when we're desperate for God's provision. Now, how many of us are running out of hope? Maybe there's a situation in your life and you feel like you need some kind of breakthrough. How many of us need breakthrough today? Maybe it has to do with your employment or your career, and you need God to provide an opportunity for you. Maybe you're desperate for, for, for marriage, and you need God to provide a person for you. Maybe you're desperate for your marriage, and you need God to provide a solution. Maybe you're desperate for your child, and you're concerned about your kid's health or their habits, 
or their friendships, their relationships, or their future. And, and you've tried everything, and nothing seems to be giving you much hope for your kid. I want to ask you, have you tried fasting? Have you tried fasting? I, I have some friends who were trying for a long time to get pregnant. And it was probably one of the most emotionally draining things they've ever gone through. And I remember just kind of joining them in that journey and just praying and crying out to God, God, would you open up the womb? Would you give them a child? And it felt like an emotional roller coaster. It's almost like, like they were in that front cart on that roller coaster ride. You know how that's the place where you're going to feel the roller coaster most? And I felt like I was in a cart, but I was attached to that front cart. And every time they thought they were pregnant, they would soar, and I would soar with them. And then they would find out that they're not, and their hearts would sink, and my heart would sink with them. Probably not as intense as they felt it, but... But I was with them, and I would pray for them to the point where, for me, it became one of the things I was praying for the most. I found myself seriously praying that God would break through and do something, provide for them, to the point where I felt like, man, I feel like I just need to pray and fast. Like, I want to fast on their behalf. And when I did, I found myself praying for them more frequently, devoted to it more so than I had already been. Now, by God's miraculous hand, this couple became pregnant. It was amazing. Praise God. Like he did what we thought was impossible. Was it because of my fasting? I, I can't say. I don't know. I don't know. It's up to God. So I can't tell you it was because of my fasting, but I can tell you this prayer happened. A lot of prayer happened. And I could tell you fasting made more prayer happen. Would you fast and pray? Sometimes in the Bible, we see people fast when they're desperate for God to provide in some way. I, I read in 1 Samuel, Hannah was in the same boat. She was in the same situation. She couldn't give birth. Her womb was closed. And she was desperate, so she goes to the temple of God. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 7, it says that she refused to eat. She would not eat. She would just fast, and she would cry out to the Lord in prayer. She would ask the Lord to provide. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 20, it says, As a result, in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked of the Lord. I have asked for him from the Lord. The Lord opened up his, her womb. He answered her prayer and he provided a child that she longed for. Now, was it her fasting that did it? Or was it her prayer? Well, from her own mouth, according to verse 20, it attributes it to her prayer. For I have asked of the Lord. It's because of her prayer. I'm telling you, prayer is where the power is. Prayer makes things happen, but fasting makes prayer happen. Her fasting allowed her to be devoted to this cause through prayer. Maybe your desperate plea right now is for God to provide in some situation in your life. Maybe it's for healing. 
Maybe right now you know someone battling COVID or struggling through cancer. Maybe you know somebody who's emotionally depressed. Maybe you know somebody who has a high-risk surgery or procedure coming up, and you're desperate for God to come through and provide. Would you consider fasting and praying on their behalf? King David found himself in the same situation where he's praying for God's provision, for God's healing. And in this particular story, it wasn't for him, it was for his his child, his son, who was sick and dying. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted, and he went in and lay all night on the ground. And so we see King David himself so desperate that he he would fast and all night he would lay by his kid's side begging for God to heal to the point where the servants in his house are saying to him, David, get up, man. David, you got to eat. You're going to get sick yourself. Come on, just join us. Eat dinner with us. But he refused. He refused to get up from that posture of prayer and he refused to break his fast until something happened. And so church, I pray that it's with that desperation and that devotion that we would come together and we would consider fasting and praying over our greatest needs. God, come and break through. So those are two occasions when we should fast and pray, when we're desperate for God's power and when we're desperate for God's provision. Will you do that this year? And so here's The last question I want to answer, here's the application portion. How should we do so? How should we do so? Well, collectively as a church, I want to call us to fast and pray for 22. Let's pray for the next 22 days as we pray for 2022. If there's ever a time, if there's a year we need to pray for God's presence and power and his provision, it's 2022. You're going to get an email This weekend, you're going to get an email with a link to register for Pray for 22. Or you could go to our website at southbaycommunitychurch.com and sign up there. Last year, we had 425 people sign up and register to fast and pray for 21. And I knew a lot of people who didn't register but were joining in with us. And I heard testimony after testimony how their faith was impacted through that prayer and fast. I pray that that we will do it again this year. And so will you pray for 22? And we're going to leave it up to you as you fill out that form. We're going to leave it up to you as to how you want to fast and what you want to fast from. You can indicate on that form what you're going to abstain from in order to gain more of God. Now, I don't expect you to go 22 days without ever eating. That's crazy. If you want to do that, then, then may God be with you. You could do that. But, but in the Bible, Daniel fasted for only 21 days, but his fast was a partial fast. He fasted from sweets and from meats, but he was allowed to eat vegetables and drink water. That's what, what he said he would do for himself. Maybe it's as fasting just a meal each day. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to give up lunch And every lunch hour, instead of eating, I'll spend that time in prayer. Maybe it's dinner you want to give up. 
Or maybe you want to commit to just one meal a day and the other meals you're committed to prayer. Maybe it's fasting from sweets or from soda or from Starbucks because that's something that you crave each day. And every time you crave that thing, when your body's saying, I want that, stop and say, no, how about, how about God? I want God and spend that time in prayer. For some of you young people, maybe it's fasting from TikTok or Instagram or social media or whatever, video games, whatever it is that you go to daily. Maybe just for a window, right? Go easy. Maybe from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. You're going to fast from social media so that you can spend time with the Lord. Or perhaps for you, you're going to fast the entire 22 days from all social media altogether. Maybe that's what you need to do. But whatever it is, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's online shopping, because that's what you do daily. Whatever it is, remember the purpose of this fast. It's not to punish yourself. It's not to make your life miserable. It's not to make yourself look good physically or spiritually. It's not to see if you could persevere and, and make it through 22 days without giving in. Those will not be the measure of success. The measure of success will be Did it give you a greater sense of dependence for and a greater desire for God? Did it help you draw near to him? Did it create space for you to pray more often, more frequently than you normally would have? Did it help you to love God more? The purpose of fasting is to remind us to pray. It's a physical practice for a spiritual purpose. And so when you're fasting food and your stomach is crying out for for that donut, stop and cry out to God. If you're fasting television and your eyes want to turn your, 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 your eyes to TV, stop and turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you're fasting from Starbucks and you want that, that Starbucks, start to pray. It's a physical practice with a spiritual purpose. Prayer is where the power is. Prayer makes things happen. And fasting makes prayer happen. So church, will you, will you commit to fast and pray for 22? When you sign up, and I pray that you'll sign up today, as soon as the service is over, sign up. And when you do sign up, you're going to get a prayer guide that has been put together. And each day you'll be given a topic to pray for and a scripture to help you pray through it. And collectively, I pray that as one voice, one spirit, one heart, we'll be praying for the same things. And then on top of that, pray for whatever else you need God in, whether it's for his power or his presence or his provision. Then you'll also get reminders. You can indicate if you want email reminders. We'll send you an email every day with the topic for that day, the scripture for that day to remind you to pray. Or you can go to our website or our app or any of our social media outlets, and there will be posts on, on, on what to pray for on that day. You'll be getting these things when you sign up. And I want to encourage you, on that form, there's going to be a place where you can indicate an accountability partner. I want us to... Do this together. Not individual fast and prayer, but let's do this collectively. Find somebody that you can get together with and pray with every day, whether it's a person or a group of people. And each day, send a text, make a phone call, sign on to Zoom, and pray together for that particular thing. 
One thing that we've been trying to teach here at the church, and we're going to keep on teaching it, is this thing that we call on-the-spot prayer, where we're a church that prays for each other. Don't, don't say to someone, I'll pray for you. Pray for them. Right, right there on the spot, if you're able to, even if you had to text it to them or write it through a messenger uh, app or, or email it to them or whatever it is, pray for them. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Let them see or let them hear your prayer for them. And let them join in with you as they see or hear your words. I have a good friend, Lee, a brother who sends me an audio prayer just about every week. And what I love about it is sometimes I can't listen to it right away. At, at some point in the day, I'll listen to it. And when I play it, I pray it. When I hear it playing, I, I'm able to join along with him in that moment and pray with him as I'm hearing his words lifted up before the throne. And so we want to encourage the church to get together and let's pray together and let's pray for 22. So this is going to start tomorrow. If you're listening to this live, it's going to start tomorrow, which is Monday, January 3rd, and it's going to go for 22 days until January 24th. If you're listening to this a week later or maybe a month later, start tomorrow and from 22 days from tomorrow, fast and pray. Let's come before the Lord our God. Will you, church, will you pray for 22 and let's pray like never before? I want, I want to close by saying this. All message long, I've been saying prayer makes things happen and fasting makes prayer happen. But I close with the question, well, what happens? What happens when we fast and pray? King David, his son, was dying. And so he fasted and he prayed, begging for the life of his child. And after about a week of doing this, something happened. What happened? King David's son died. He dies. And David goes, really, God? That's what happens? When I fast and I pray, begging for you to provide and, and, and save his life, that's what happens. You take his life. And so he rips off his clothes. He shaves his head and he starts cursing God. And when he's done cursing him, he never follows God again. Wrong. That's totally not what happened when his son dies. It says in 2 Samuel 12, verse 22. And in verse 22... He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. And if you read that chapter, he gets up. He bathes, he clothes, he, he puts on some lotions and some oils to make himself smell nice and presentable. And then he goes into the house of the Lord and it says he worshiped God. He worshiped God and saying hallelujah anyway. He prayed for something to happen and something happened. What happened? His heart changed. His perspective changed. He was able to say with his heart, my child will not come back to me, but now I know he is with God and I will one day go to him. Hallelujah anyway.
See, I believe God was working on David as David was seeking God. And God was doing this thing. He was forming David's heart to become more and more like God's. See, prayer does make things happen. It really does make things happen. And the greatest thing that can happen when you fast and you pray is God tuning your heart to his. The greatest thing that can happen when we fast and pray is not that we should change God's mind, but that God should change our heart and form our heart to become more and more like his. See, something happens. Expect things to happen. Expect your heart to change. Expect your understanding to change. Expect your perspective to change. Expect your faith, your trust in God to change. See, because your circumstance may change or it may not. You may not get pregnant. Your loved one may not get healed. And to be honest, your loved one may not make it. You may not get that promotion. You may not pass that test. But expect prayer to make things happen in your own heart that will strangely begin to resemble more of God's own heart. And that's the greatest thing that can happen. Prayer changes things. Prayer makes things happen. And fasting makes prayer happen. And with that, let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to pray for you and for me and for our church and and for those beyond our church who, who are going to participate. In the next 22 days, God, I pray that you will show up, God, that you will show your face as we seek your presence. As we seek your countenance, God, I pray that you will show us your glory. Show up in ways that we ask and in ways that we don't even expect. I pray that we will see your power unfold in our lives. I pray that we will see chains break. I I pray that we see bonds of evil broken. I pray, God, that we will see people healed. I pray that we will see hearts healed and minds restored. I pray that we would see the kingdom of God expand. I pray that we would see souls saved. I pray that we would see the lost found. God, I pray for great things in 2022. God, right now, it's looking bleak, and there's reason to put our heads down, but God, we put our heads up and say, God, we want you. We're desperate for you. We need you. And so, God, I pray that you would hear our prayers, see the cry of our hearts, and show us in 22 days, who you are and what you're able to do. God, we look forward. We look forward to this. We give ourselves to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.